Yo, this is too nice and easy, Bazarangs. Watch on Yo, 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 like Bazarangs, champion lover. Welcome back, Dirty Dubcast 29, had a great response to last month's chat with Marcus Visionary, so thanks to everybody for leaving some comments and getting in touch, and uh, yeah, it was really uh, interesting to see people's reaction to that one. Thanks again to Marcus for his time and his uh, his, his history and his, uh, his never-ending conveyor belt of banging tunes, uh, which brings me nicely into my next guest, today's guest is Kean Finn. Anyone in Ireland will know who he is. Anybody in the reggae dub conscious tunage sphere will know exactly who he is. Uh, becoming the global superstar. The hardest working man in showbiz. The world traveler. The recording artist. The, the guy that learns from Prince Fatty. The guy that goes on tour all over the place pretty much. 36, I think he said 36 countries I'm counting. But uh, yeah, just a great chat. I've known Keen for, Keen for a while, so uh, it was uh, nice and easy. We just chatted about everything and, and it flowed nice. So I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, put some of his tunes in, put some of his stories and his um, his journey there. So uh, definitely worth the listen. If this is your first time coming to the podcast via Keen or, or just, just stumble upon it, um, please like and subscribe. If you're a regular listener and you don't like and subscribe, how about going over to uh, iTunes? giving it a little rate and a little review or uh, yeah share it around once it goes out all that kind of stuff really helps I know people don't care about this stuff anymore but um, it's funny you know I, I just think the art of the share and the art of yeah maybe you should listen to this is kind of leaving social media particularly Facebook and um, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a cesspit over there let's be honest Facebook's a bit of a mess but yeah if you're liking it share it give it to a friend Keen's story is 100% uh, worth listening to, so please enjoy uh, the pleasure and the privilege, and I'm sure I'll see him over this summer, um, as you will too if you're uh, going to festivals. Finally, the track in the back is my new one with Dynamite MC and Scarlet Quinn called Good Life. That is out right now on all digital outlets. So without further waffle, here is my friend Keen Finn. Roll it there, Roshi. Oh look, I like <laughs> red lights. <laughs> We're live. Are we live? We are live from Gorilla Post Production in Dublin's Fair City, and I'm here with Galway's son, <laughs> uh, Ireland's son at this point, Keen Finn, the yes. world's son, I should say. Here, All there, right. and everywhere. Every time I I check you on uh, social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, How's things, man? Good, man. Good to be here. Good to see you. Again. Uh, just off the beach. Yeah, Dolly Mount Strand. Uh, not Goa, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like it up there, Dolly Mount. Yeah, yeah. The wind swept. So you just had a uh, had a gig there. Yes. Yeah. And um, that's the first festival this year. No, so I touched back from India two months ago. Um, what was the what was oh yeah is it the first festival first Irish first Irish festival, festival yeah 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 okay so touch back from India uh, did this walk and skank in Glasgow oh, yeah. yeah yeah I think that was the first gig we did the wigwam with the rub of the hi-fi guys with Rastini sure. um, 
was next Malta there was a reggae festival in Malta of course I've that was classy yeah, you've been around the, uh, this year already yeah so it's been um, a bit busy for the so, so the before the we intro. go there uh, you're like it's, it's normally that I go and we chat about the whole journey and stuff but we're a little bit lim- limited on time okay um, and uh, I know that from your background is like there's there's music in your DNA in your, in your family in your yeah in your yeah so do you want to s- explain some of that before we yeah, so um, so my father was uh, in a, the traditional Irish group, Daydanan. So they were very big in the 70s right. and they used to play in a pub in, in Spiddle called Hughes's. So that's where they started and uh, he played bazooki with, with Daydanan. So uh, yeah, they, they had a really good run of it now. So they, they were touring all over the world when I was a kid. So I used to kind of, there was always singers in the house, musicians, and where I was always at, you know, trad sessions and got to go on tour with them a few times when we were that's kids. That's mad. And, so, yeah. so from like... Your earliest earliest days, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so it was music. And my dad's mother was used to play all traditional Irish piano and stuff on the piano and stuff. Wow. So it was always in the So it's been day one sort of for you. It's like it's not like you had a, a choice in this, it was like it was yeah. read it into Yeah, and I think because dad was always on tour it kinda gave the, I, I think I was always you know, as I got older I think there was a kind of it didn't seem like a mad thing to be doing, yeah. you know. So it was like, Oh yeah, it was it's like just a, natural, normal sort of Yeah. So so, so your dad would have been like he was really busy. Kept really oh, busy. They were, yeah, they were all over from the states, to China. They were yeah. They, wow. They, so they it was a success, it. like a, a successful uh, oh, Irish music. Oh career. yeah, I think they were thirty years about they wow. were playing. So you amazing. Know, they played with the Rolling Stones. They had all sorts of mad adventures and I'd say yeah. Worked with gospel singers from Harlem and so they were staying at the house. It was like Mary Ellen Ivan. So you met uh, you met everybody that came. Oh by yeah, yeah. Mary, and this is in this is in this is in Galway. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the west in the west and. Uh, Dolores Keane was their first singer Mary Black wow. uh, Maura O'Connell um, and then they had the gospel singers from New York so it was you know incredible s- singers and uh, eccentric characters how many uh, band members would have been in Daytown and I think I think there was about five six they had a cello player at one stage right. um, but the singers were you know Dolores Keane's career went through the roof you know she was just she'd yeah. be the for me it, uh, and my father she'd be the Aretha Franklin of Ireland she sure, was the yeah. queen you know so but her her solo career just went through the roof so she started touring solo then they got I think Maura O'Connell was after after Dolores then Mary Black so Mary Black was Mary, yeah so oh yeah so Mary Black used to come down and stay with us when we were kids and used to go I remember people outside Ireland like who the fuck's Mary Black yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she, what a legend yeah this, yeah yeah and probably like I mean yeah everywhere else too you just have to be in that kind of yeah, yeah, and our son, our son was the singer in Coronas now. I yes, remember, yeah, I yeah. remember him when we were kids. I remember we were down one summer playing in the arcade and up the road, and they had a camper van. We drive around, we'd be playing pontoon and cards. Wow, and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it was the music. So you guys took a, a similar, a similar like uh, uh, career path, but just different different types of music. Yeah, where did the reggae? So the reggae for me started with um, like the folks who used to listen to a lot of Motown, sure, Otis yeah. Redding, Aretha. Um, like soul music was a big thing, you know, Ry Cooder. Good uh, taste. Yeah, know. and they'd partied, so there was always cool parties. So yeah. there was a lot of dancing and... So rock and roll. Of, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, so I was very familiar with, like I really resonated with Motown music, you know, um, soul music. And um, this lady called Susanna O'Hagan, friend of the folks, uh, left an Island Records compilation at the house Uh-oh. after one of the parties. So I used to kidnap <laughs> CDs that I was really yeah. into and take them to the room and I'd like nice little boom box with the 
mega bass button on it. Yeah, Remember those old? Yeah, <laughs> little clicking button. Yeah, yeah. So just um, made it all dirtier and just like. Oh, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> so so, I, so that, that's what, that, before I knew of Bob Marley, what reggae, but the whole the story of reggae or, or anything about Jamaica really I had the CD from 12 and I used to it was my favourite CD I had Many Rivers to Cross uh, Soul Shakedown parody from the Whalers so it was, a, it was like a compilation of compilation those. from Ireland Records Yellow Man was on there Don Carlos wow so stuff that I would you know it was just cross uh, the board sort of yeah Jamaican stuff so that was my first taste of it and then my cousin got married in France when I was 16 and we went over and I ended up hanging out for the summer there and the place I was staying stayed with this lady called Jill and she had incredible record collection her her husband who had, who had passed had like had left her this vo- amazing vinyl collection he had ran an, a nightclub in Har- he was actually um, James uh, what was the from from Harlem he was a famous jazz club owner and um, yeah he, he, he she inherited his record collection wow. so she had there was loads of really it's good a, it's a, like reggae a gold treasure chest now. yeah Donny Hathaway was a massive influence on me and uh, she had three daughters and they came around to the house and they were a bit older than me, sort of like, you know, the cool older daughters would come over and 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 they brought, they were listening to like Sizzla, Anthony B, Capleton, J- Jack Cure. Mm. So I, so I, so they, you'd come around, they put on all this kind of modern This reggae. is in, in Paris? Or? In, no, in Nice, just well, outside of Nice, yeah, in the south of France. Kind of doesn't surprise me that it was in France that you learn all these. Yeah, yeah. And, and the first gig I went over there was Burning Spear, like the same summer. Uh, one of the daughters was going with this Brazilian guy and Rasta guy and they brought us to the gig and saw Burning Spear you know I'd never heard his music yeah and went and just saw like a two hour show in a place called Joanne Le Pan on the beach and it was the energy from the cr- like it was just came in he's just like uh, know, at this stage had you seen loads of different live shows at the, you know oh yeah, yeah. that you'd, you'd grown from where you'd been growing and stuff so you had seen loads of music and live yes. stuff but yeah, this was, was just like on another sort of it, this was yeah this was a new but something new like when I was growing up uh, hip hop would have been yeah. my my love growing up, and I got a job in the the record label that used to sell uh, Dave Annan's music in the states. Uh, it was Dara Records. Well, wow. and Maggie was their Maggie Cadden was their tour manager, and she used to, she was like an aunt. She'd be over every Christmas. So when I was old enough, they were mm-hmm. like, "You have to come to New York." So when I was fourteen, went out, worked on the label Fuck. with them in New York, selling all trad wow. CDs and all. I this. didn't know any of this. Yeah, yeah. So that was like a, a like your. Pre J one, yes, J1. yeah, like yeah. I work in a. Where was the shop? It was in Manhattan. I was actually there when, in believe it, the second time I went, the was when the Twin Towers went oh, down. Wow. And we were just up the road, Jesus. so it was mental. Yeah. So I was there like a month before and a month afterwards. So I was there for the whole. So we saw all that madness, and it was like, but at at that stage. Like hip hop was my my passion, so I used to go to the record shops yeah, in New sure. York, and I get the Wu Tang, KRS One was KRS One would be one of my big influences. Yeah. On, um, he and was got, he was he was coming with the Jamaican sort of uh, yeah yeah side of it. yeah. I think their parents were Jamaican, and yeah. his brother was a and He sort of switches in between. Yeah you know? yeah. So so and then there was a guy called Ernie DC who used to run a jungle night in Galway in a pub called O'Malley's. Right. And a guy called G would play hip hop first, so we were all kind of like. You know, spliffy, Getting you know, bold car park teenagers, you know what I mean? So we'd, we'd go to the hip hop gig and then Ernie would play Jungle afterwards. So that's when I heard Shy FX original, right. Nodder, all this stuff. And it was like, so that was really, before before reggae, it was it was hip hop and Jungle. And then. So, 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 so the Jungle and hip hop pre reggae. Oh, but yeah, and I'd all, Cause that you know, I used to really DJ hip hop on I'd all the records. Wise, you and, wouldn't think that was. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I tried to write. 
I tried to write bars when I was younger, but I just couldn't do it well, right. you know. So I had a load of verses and stuff, but I just I just couldn't really do it well. But I was always, you know, I was, I'd written songs, I was playing songs with yeah. guitar, and, and so I was able to sing, but I wasn't able to, to wasn't able to rap. And, and then when I heard Capleton, you know, Sizzla, Anthony B, all this <laughs> kind of modern Jamaican stuff from France when I was 16, I was like, that was like the link. It was right. like, it was like singing, like soulful singing mixed with this kind of percussive kind of rap thing and I, with more melody in it. So it was like... Brought everything I, in together. And, I, and that I could do, yeah. So that, and then, so then when I moved to Dublin when I was 18, I was doing a music course in DIT. Yeah. And we st- started going to Parnell Mooney's to the Firehouse oh, Cancakes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then, so Larry Man was there, like, you know, it was a big Nigerian crew there and everyone was blazing early 90s yeah, no th- well Late I'm 35 90s. now so when I was 18 okay so I, I, it'd be 2000 yeah, it's probably okay. 2002 2003 maybe sorry yeah for, for Larry Man and stuff to, to, yeah it, been, it couldn't have been that, that yeah so and so you're it's early noughties probably and you're going yeah. to Parnell Mooney Parnell Mooney's and that was that was the crack and are you surprised when you see this did you know this was happening in Dublin I didn't know this was happening yeah. and to see someone singing like the guy you know I was you know I'd play I'd, you know I knew how to mix yeah. hip hop I knew the vinyl culture the you know so you were, how de- mixes were you DJing worked. or were you just I was DJing hip hop yeah yeah, okay. yeah but not singing over just playing yeah. Tribe Called Quest De La Soul yeah. Ones. It's kind of good the, stuff yeah yeah <laughs> And right. then when I saw your man, Larry Man with Firehouse Gang singing over, you know, the guys played vocal, flipped a record. I was just like, yes. Mm. <laughs> that was the first time I could see that. And I was like, this is this is something I can do, you know. So did you, was that, did that become your kind of like your, your go to church place every time there was a show? Was it? Yeah, a bit. I mean, I wasn't in Dublin for too long. So then I, I was in. So I, when I finished leaving, so I went, to, uh, I went back to France where I kind of made all that, the connections. Yeah. And then I went to Amsterdam and I was uh, staying in squats in Amsterdam and Barcelona for that kind of summer. Mm. So, you know, you were kind of meeting a lot of dreadies and yeah. all, you, there was a whole kind of mixture of characters from all over the world. So that was a real, that was a big education in another way, you know, just coming straight out of school and kind of going over Seeing there. the world a bit and yeah, being young and yeah. having those times. Yeah, it's kind of, it's fa- I was fantastic. Not a good, it was like um, people used to go into railing, but you just went squat, <laughs> yeah, squat yeah. into railing. That's, yeah, I managed to blag a job as a chef in Amsterdam when I was 18, you know, I hadn't a clue how to cook. And we'll take him. Yeah. <laughs> so so when it went from kind of there to, um, so, you know, so I did the college thing in Dublin, but then when the summer came up again, I was like straight back to Barcelona, to Amsterdam. Okay. There was a big gang of us over there. So I was always kind of bouncing back from, you know, from Ireland to, to which Which places. is something that it seems that never really stopped. Like yeah. You're, you're always on the, on, the, on the go. Yeah, big time. I need, I need that kind of, like I could never... I could never leave Ireland for long term, yeah. but I, uh, but I, you know, it's like after about you know, you know, eight nine months, I start getting that kind of the itchy feet. The itchy feet, mm. and I'm like, yeah. So I try to get out to India now for the, for the win- you know, for three months of the winter if I can, you know. Yeah, let's just go back. Let's keep it back then. So you, so you're uh, going to these gigs and like, because I know from from friends I have here, it's the idea of telling your mates or anyone back then, I'm gonna rap or I'm gonna. It's a bit like what? What are you saying? Yeah. So did you have that, or was when you went to the sound system nights? Did you try to tell people like maybe I could? Not really, because it was I was I'd written a lot of songs on guitar, so mm-hmm. I could I was used to doing that mm. that style, but I didn't resonate with the I suppose the industry of the it. Clubier side or the yeah. yeah, you know I, I you know the idea of sitting down doing a gig playing guitar, which I'm actually 
been doing the last couple of years a few yeah. gigs like that at that stage it was just like all I want I wanted to go to gigs big speakers late night you know sessions you know a, more of a party kind of culture yeah sitting down playing you know emotional songs wasn't you're a young man yeah, yeah I wanted to do I wanted having to. the time you're like, <laughs> yeah. so when it. I saw that like re- when the guys were playing reggae like in Paranel Mooney's and your man singing and then one of my best friends from Galway Reggae Steve his older brother runs Rudical Sound System right. so we were kind of you know 16, 17 going to those gigs and he'd been bringing over Josh Ack all these UK dub acts and stuff mm. so that was a major influence as well but it and seems like you were always well connected even from like teenage years between going to work in the record shop or yeah. guys in France or different cities here Yeah, we there were. was always a good sort of network of people like not not necessarily that you were in the crew with them or whatever but you know them so if you ever needed to go to a show or maybe it's time to tell this guy I can rap or I can it, it, it's funny because I was doing music that didn't connect with traditional Irish music I, I guess if I focused on traditional Irish music in the early stages you there would have been, been those avenues but yeah. for, I was just I grew up with it you know as you're, yeah. like you're in a kid in the pub you were just trying to get away from it so yeah of course yeah. you know hip hop for me was just like I just fell in love with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was so that was really that was, you know that really kind of brought me into and 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 for bass, you know, it's like yeah. this, my first bass therapy kind of you know yes, hip hop yeah. in the teenage years was it was just a uh, pretty heavy on. Yeah, and it was you know there was a and with the friendship from the friends, you know, we were it was the soundtrack to a huge part of my for my teenage years hip hop was the soundtrack to that. So that was kind of my passion and my love mm. and then reggae as I got older and met people from all over the world and all the squat yeah. scene in Amsterdam, Barcelona and then I was like yeah this is and when did you start when did the pieces start connecting it where like you maybe started to make this music or, or you know yeah so so that lady Jill I was talking about in the south of France she I recorded a lot of tapes of her record collection mm-hmm. so I had um, a few Bob Marley records a few different kind of some Peter Tosh stuff just burned onto cassette onto tape yeah. Yeah, yeah and then I'd have that on a Walkman so we went from France then to Barcelona um, and then I learned all those songs playing guitar got a cheap guitar you know for 30 quid or so, that kind yeah. of style in, a, in France and then I bust in Barcelona and Amsterdam so that was the kind of th- to keep the show going it was just wow. you could just I just go out how, how was that? it was interesting because the busking thing it's like when I started busking I was terrible at it because I was I think I was a bit shy or yeah, something and course. people yeah. what I learned after a while with busking it's like you just have to give off all out or else it's yeah <laughs> and if you're giving off if you're just if you're into it when you're busking people just that's infectious and yeah suddenly you know but when you're actually you, you really need the, the cash and you're really hoping for it it's just like it's like when if you're hitchhiking you know you know if you look if you really need to lift like you don't it's funny one so like, it's like if, when it's like have guitar need food yeah it doesn't yeah. necessarily work yeah. like that but yeah and I remember in Amsterdam just a street off Dam Square this uh, lady came up to me and I played the song um, Cheer Up Bob Marley song okay, Cheer yeah, Up yeah. My Great Brother song, yeah. And I played that song and it was on one of the tapes and this lady came up all watery eyed like I was like 18 and she was like that song is like you know meant something really personal to her and she had a big chat about it and Jesus. I remember that moment being a really profound moment yeah. where I was like wow this like so, there was something about reggae music that was you know what I mean deep yeah yeah and that really kind of especially for 18 like that like taking that info on at 18 is yeah. like holy shit really yeah it's, it's a big big uh, that'll be big big information to sort of for your brain to download yeah yeah and and what, going to that Burning Spear gig to see the crowds like it was there was a, a spiritual energy with the crowd. People yeah. were just there was a different a, way. Of yeah, and I hadn't experienced it. that before. Yeah. And everything was so 
wild and drunken and kind of mad, you know, hip hop jungle session. So to to get in that kind of vibe and you know we were big, you know we were big blazers. So we we're like you know a lot of smoking was going yeah. on in those days. And you know you're out on a beach in France and you know spliffs are going yeah. around. You know burning spears doing this, this is a seven year old Jamaican like guy doing a you know a drum solo and just people freaking out you know yeah, and I was yeah. just like <laughs> it's like what's going on yeah I mean that's where, that's how to take that music in yeah like yeah. beach in France burning spirits yeah so and it, it sounds a bit too perfect yeah, <laughs> yeah it wow. was fantastic so then when I moved to so after that I was meant to stay in Amsterdam and work for summer and plans kind of changed so I ended up coming back and uh, my best friend was, was had moved to Cork to do a course I moved down to Cork to do a course and we started uh, the band Intin Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, yeah. We'd, so that we began. First. In, yeah, so that was when we first. So suddenly it was like, all right. And our friend Carl Finley was like, you know, he's like a musicologist. He's doing a book on Studio One at the moment. Wow. And um, so he's he's le- legend and just a you know a master of the knowledge of music, what's behind, you know, to the yeah. to the detail. So he was just providing us with like. You know all these you know burnt CDs of really rare Jamaican stuff. Dotsie um, f- uh, from Worries, you yeah, know. So yeah. his he'd all his mixtapes from Ram's shop in town, and he'd, he'd got all the Dotsie mixtapes. And one and was so called. What was his? What was his? Was he just giving you this as a as like references, or is he's in your band? No, he? we were just really we were really good, good friends. friends. Okay, so yeah, he was sorry. he'd always just like just feed you like the good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, a, a, a reference manual. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, he'd be there. He was through. He was there for the whole journey. So he was constantly like, like check this tune out. And there was a Dotsie mix called Soundboy Burial. Yeah. I think I've, I've, he's Dotsie's got loads of great mixes. Savage. I think I know that. So one. with the band, we learned yeah. the first like five tunes or something. We used to play that for the with so the engine when we That was ah. yeah. It was like a twenty minute melody of uh, which was literally all like ni- 80s 90s digital kind of dance hall stuff and so was it like one track next track did you stop or was it like oh no we mixed them in yeah no, we played it live cool. like so a you live had mix the DJ yeah, side yeah. Coming into yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah so dj culture was definitely a big influence yeah. with the band and how we were playing and we wanted to do uh we wanted to do you know studio ones to old, old reggae dance hall and we did brutality for love by sizzler we did shy effects original another so we we tried to all that music that we really resonated with. And are you doing them with. as close to the tracks as possible or are you totally flipping them into kind of your own? Kind of halfway. Yeah. We'd be like, um, you know, we'd, I'd always try to change the lyrics for like, so for Original Nutter, we'd kind of change the lyrics. Of course, to kinda, yeah, the, 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 yeah. Stick in the Irish part. And exactly, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and same melody, but just, you know, trying to twist you, it. Like, what was that, 10 years, 15 years? Jesus, yeah. Can um, you still go draw back on those when you're freestyling or if, you, if you're up on a mic oh know? totally yeah, yeah. Th- like that was my uh, that's the, your the go learning. to yeah, yeah. going something. to all those gigs uh, and the music was just you know you'd, you yeah. you know because you, know, you know yourself with that sound system gig someone plays the you know the 7 inch there's the vocal version they flip the flip record and then you just got to go you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and you got that you yeah. know 3-4 minutes to shine so, so you really have to yeah you know, just go for it and kind of. So that was real training, training territory. And do you me. think also it's 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 almost critical to ha- or crucial to have a guy like this guy that's feeding you the f- tapes and he's absolutely because he's like yeah. I mean, and that could be someone under that could be a radio that could be your, yeah. But definitely, you do I mean, need that yeah, kind yeah, of no, check Carl, this, check this, check this. Exactly, yeah, you know, yeah. he was Carl, Carl and still is a music fanatic. So right. it was like 
you know, the, when someone's really passionate about about it, it's infectious as well. Yeah, so yeah. we were just like, you know, he's like, check this. You know, he's like, you know, so some, we'd, some we had a supply of fantastic music from King Toby's to the works, you know. And I remember in Tin, but I, I don't think I ever, um, I don't think I was ever, I think I was in the UK at that point, but how did it, like you guys got pretty well known around? Yeah, yeah, it went very well. We did, um, so we did about three, four years in the festival circuit. Yeah. Um, and we got, you know, we had a good following in Ireland and then we entered, we did this reggae contest in the UK. So, and we and we won. You know, we were playing at all these really? UK. Drove over to London in a van. Good friends with this band called Wiggle, and they lent us their van. Jer from were, Revelation were they from, Sound from Cork. Cork yeah, yeah. So they were, yeah, they were. Yeah, great. we were really close to those yeah. guys, and you know, they were they were in, they were doing what we wanted to do early before us. So, you know, it was really good to link up with those guys and guys and Revelation Sound, and they were they were family to us then. You know. So when yeah. you made when you won this, was it like a nationwide uh, show or t- t- you know? Yeah, like, it was. It was. European reggae contest at Radatom Sunsplash in, ah, in Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's was pretty the, well yeah, regarded. Yeah. You must have thought then at this point, we're on, that's where we're, yeah, this is we, it. we got to go and play at the festival and, you know, we came second and, you know, and they wow. had, out of all the hundreds of so, bands. So, and, so was it a big crowd once you got over there? Oh yeah, main stage, like massive kind oh, of glass. Yeah. Was that your first kind of away side gig or was we'd it? We'd done a few things, um, but that that was the first, that was like... Holy shit, look yeah, at this. Yeah, and we we were playing, I think, five, six years that stage, so we had the, the harpist playing with us, Katrina Cannon. Wow. So we had a real distinctive sound then. The drums were Roland Wietler, like electronic drums, so we'd like the 808 kicks, you know, a traditional Irish harpist, Dan on a five-string bass, but really yeah. low, he had a bass, with, so, you know, synth, we had this Elisa synthesizer, so we'd... A, our, you know, it, it was rough when we started, but after that stage, we actually had. So you stood out, basically. Yeah. You were quite unique, and yeah, particularly that with the well well. Yeah, yeah, and she's an incredible player. So. And how long did you do the instinct? Like how long was? It? Seven years, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're split five years now, four or five years. Right. We're talking about doing a reunion this summer, but um, everyone's super busy. I, I just always remember festivals. You guys there? I don't think I ever actually ended up catching you because for yeah. one reason or another, but. Um, so you're only five years out of that Five years solo, yeah. And that's when Key and Finn became Key and Finn, sort of. Yeah, yeah, so I started doing the solo touring and um, started So that's work. only five years? Because it seems I think as so. if you've covered a hell of a lot of ground in that time. Yeah. Maybe Were you totally not, ready for it at that point? Like, I wasn't, I wasn't. I didn't expect the van to split up at the time, so I was like... There was, there was a, I was a bit of devastation yeah. at the time. I was like, you know, what's where, where's it going from here? Like, it's always the end of the world at some, some yeah. point when you think we're stopping doing this. Album. You know, and you've you've bit, you've worked on a name for seven years, so then yeah. it was like back to square one. Yeah. You know, yeah, but it never actually is back to square one. Yeah, you know that you've way? got you've got your it's going back for your, a minute. But your masters, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your masters and experience always yeah. always comes yeah. in. You know, but uh, so so what was the first um, the first came from like sort of. The solo thing would have been in illusion. Uh, Rastini gets calls me up one day and he's like, "Look, there's this Polish pro- uh, dub producer in Cork, and you got to link up with him and do a tune." Like he's savage. Right. So, so he linked the two of us up. MySpace days. Yeah. And uh, we're a message on MySpace, and he brought out the Max Romeo remix uh, of yes. Iron Shirt, and that yeah. got he got si- uh, dubbed out records in the UK, pressed it on a seven inch, and suddenly he was like. You know, and this was early dubstep stage, so there was, you know, Rusko's massive at that yeah. stage. So there's this 
dubstep was this kind of fresh explosion yeah. you know and he caught the he caught but he had a nice he had a nice take on it it went madness and yeah. I didn't I didn't I wasn't a huge fan of where it kind of yeah they wobbled they wobbled yeah, themselves they <laughs> the electro the, the transformers came out pretty quick and yeah, started yeah. making weird noises but his uh, always got a tasteful sort of yeah he was take on yeah it. he's a fantastic producer mm. and uh, he was working in Roaches and Cork um, you know and then you know just casually making stuff on, on Reason yeah and Rastini linked us up and I did I just started producing at that stage so I just started working on Ableton um, but it was really early stages so I was very basic productions but yeah. I built this tune recorded a vocal called In Illusion and, and I sent him the acapella and he built a rhythm over it which mm. was fantastic that got signed to uh, Dub Out of Poland a compilation CD okay. and then we start then I started getting booked we started getting booked Moonshine brought us over to launch to launch a single and then we recorded Babylon Skies Ireland mm. and, the, and that really kicked off because we were getting booked to like sub in Leeds Bristol gigs yeah, suddenly proper, we were at the gigs with Iration Steppers Mungo's Hi-Fi guys who were, who were real fans of yes, you know so, yeah. it was, it was, so the band had just finished but I was very lucky to kind of just seamlessly enough kind of yeah keep. yeah so w when when you go from being there with all your your comrades in a band and stuff and you start doing your own thing yeah is it like a bit more kind of oh fuck uh, this is just me now at this point or is it it was a it was a mix of like like the guys were like we were best friends we lived together for years it was a real family yeah. kind of connection but by at, when you're in a band with some after seven years like bands are high pressure yes, you know yeah. you're, you don't your personal life is is the band life so when it did finish there was a relief that you know there was suddenly I had space for myself yeah, okay, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that yeah in in a, in a sense and then um you miss the kind of being on the road with the guys and that connection suddenly you're like you know you're in an airport on your own you're traveling you're doing all that kind of bouncing around on your own um so there was you, you missed you missed the kind of family experience of it mm -hmm. and when a band works it's magic but it just was well, after seven years we'd reached a point where the, yeah the joy yeah. the joy wasn't there anymore I think we kind of you know it was like alright we need to get professional now and there was this pressure to be a professional band and that just kind of killed the yeah the the joy of it I think so yeah. so I think it was it was the right time for the band to kind of dissolve at that stage and normally what I do is like I'd put scatter tracks in uh, throughout the conversation oh yeah I, yeah I, I think uh, what was the f was the Babylon Sky you just mentioned uh, in illusion in illusion yeah. was the first so it was the first uh, release so we'll we'll put that in right here our class yeah and uh, we'll get going.
again uh, so so the first track gets sent out everywhere it's they're doing well yeah so then there was loads of gigs in Poland which was mad yeah. it was like you know you felt like I was the only Irish guy so, there was such a Polish migration to Ireland at that yeah. stage you were the so only you got, one in reverse yeah, yeah. yeah. so you're like sitting in Dublin airport like you know on full flight like everyone's speaking Polish like and you're, it, was, it was really interesting and I had a blast in Poland I'm like, sure you've been in loads of situations where you're the only Irish guy yeah, in the yeah, room yeah. Um, yeah, big what time. Was, like somewhere like Subdub, Subdub you went sad. there, you must have just went, "Holy shit, I'm here!" Like that's that's the, that's one of the yeah. World Cup sort of yeah, yeah. For, for what you're doing. Oh man, we I I clocked it up a while ago. It was 34 countries. Wow. With, with the gigging, you know, so yeah. that to be, you know, got full on. And when I, if I'm going somewhere abroad, I always ask can I stay a few a bit, yeah, a bit of yeah. extra time Take to just in. soak it in. I love traveling, so. So you're not just like. Uh, Airport, hotel, yeah, 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 gig, home, exactly, yeah, yeah. I love to, I love to. Because I, I tell you now, I've been to places and I can tell you very little about some of it because it's just like, it, yeah, you're in it you super know? fast, yeah, 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 yeah. I've had one of their meal, one of their main dishes, maybe uh, from from a promoter the night before, and then after that, I can't tell you a huge amount about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is can be kind of like great. I'm here, but it's like might as well. And everywhere's getting so. Um, what's the word? Gentrified, like promoter will take you to a Starbucks or something on yeah, the way to yeah, get yeah. a quick fucking drive through or something yeah. do you remember the gig we did recently where we tried to get uh, we tried to be all um, kind of unique and went oh, to a yeah, Brazilian yeah. place yeah yeah <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the most weird Brazilian place in, in, yeah. in uh, Battersea yeah and they were like they didn't have some, I can't remember what it was yeah. I tried that night to kind of Let's give you, let's give you a real taste of London, and we'll go to a Brazilian place. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was class. Yeah, well, it was a fun night. But um, so uh, what? So so just kind of going back to your second and third releases. Yes. So does, did you get a sense that after the first one, people were like, "Oh, what else? Like, wh- where's the?" Oh next? yeah, yeah, yeah. So suddenly there was. I mean, I was I was good, but younger then as well. So there was like, and I was up for that kind of raggle taggle traveling kind of vibe, yeah. you know. So. Um, what was the the big we got booked for a gig in Johannesburg wow. and I said to the promoter just, we were, just just to go all the way there for the gig or go there it? for one gig Jesus. they flew the two of us down and Irish and Steppers were on the tour so I'm a huge fan yeah. of so it's like you're you're on you know you're flying out with your idols yeah. to Africa to do a gig you know what I mean was it a festival or, or it was a crazy amount of nightclub called Baseline in Johannesburg to go for one gig isn't it yeah man and um, and the guys were legends, and it was just—I mean, we went to the—it uh, was—I was just—it was a crazy experience. But he and, and also, you know, we went to see lions in the wild, and so you stayed a while. Yeah, we yeah. stayed. I think two weeks. Stayed there. a weekend. I was class. <laughs> so I mean, did you do more than one? Could you tie in more than one gig, or was it in like, that we just—they just wanted us for this one one event. Um, but I, I ended up going back uh, three more times to. Well, how is it? I've never one place I've never actually fascinating. Is it? Fascin- yeah. I mean, the second time I went back with Alpha and Omega, yeah, which was class because the second time was <clears> like <throat> uh, we played in Soweto, we stayed in you know where Nelson Mandela would sure, have, yeah. you know, had a lot of his, you know, 
all that, you know, all very historical, historical places. We went to the Apartheid Museum, which is just yeah. heartbreaking. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, yeah, and you're like, I remember the song. I was, I haven't finished it yet, but it was like, like in Johannesburg, we don't stop for red lights. And it was this thing we were driving at nighttime back from the gig. And I went through, I was like, did we just go to a red light there? I thought to myself, and then we did it again. I was like, this is what what's the story? And she was like, oh, yeah, you, you don't stop for red lights around <laughs> oh, here. And I was like, shit. oh. Yeah. Because. <laughs> Mad lawless sort yeah, of nature. Too. Yeah, there's, you know, a lot of the tour now has been interesting stuff. Like we did Colombia, Mexico, and some hairy situations, yeah, you know. sure, yeah. Um, but a part of me loves the. The madness. I love, the yeah, part of me loves that, yeah. the traveling and the. Uh, you know, it's I think you have to because if you're it's so for the places that you're going to, it's not like someone's bringing you to 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 you know New York or to to London and then to like cl- like cleaner cities. If you're yeah, going on yeah. the off beat off the beaten track and stuff, you got to be ready for some <laughs> kind of no no traffic lights, no yeah. no lights sometimes. And yeah, yeah. How was do you went to Brazil? Oh, no, I've been to Brazil. Brazil uh, yeah, Colombia, yeah. Colombia, and Mexico. I think was one of my favorites. It was we stayed out for two weeks. Um, but we were we were staying in a really tough, rough part of the city, right? Um, near a place called Nessa, and um, that was wild. And El Fata was doing a gig oh, the, yeah. the night after us, and so we said to the pros, "Can we go to the gig?" So they brought us to the gig, and we're on the way back from the gig and one of the friends the promoters was a tax had a taxi car, so he was just drives around, but we're in a, in a car, taxi, which is probably a, a, a target for. for so we're, we're driving back like, you know, you know, three, four in the morning and then we just, all these kind of back streets in, in Nessa and then you just see all these lights coming towards us and it's like a police, you know, there's four police on motorbikes, there's a couple of police cars and there's this white kind of Humvee Jeep kind of thing and two of the cars drive in front of the taxi so we can't move Shit. and then the Jeep goes by with these like security heavy guys looking out the window at like four in the morning and we, they get us out of the car and it's me and Ben, Alpha Stepper, and um, and they get us out of the car and they're like, you know, search us. They're like, do you have any weapons? Do you have drugs? Search the whole thing down, check the boot. And the driver's getting like aggravated with them. He's like, you know, cussing them. And we're just like, what's happening? We're like in the middle of middle of nowhere, like, you know, in a rough part of town with this kind of like cartelish scene going on around us and we were just oh man you're still here to tell I, the tale then. And it, but it's all it happened in like two minutes right, right. so Did they searched us the whole thing what, what was going on like fully or no no they were just like search check make I guess they were you know they're just checking you out. yeah I guess it's either a political person or a cartel person you know because it was a white kind of limo jeep yeah. kind of Humvee jeep Looked thing I mean official. you know you yeah. know protected by a police kind of thing fuck at yeah. four in the morning in a ghetto kind of area so it was like what the fuck and we were like so yeah and so like two minutes later like we're back in the car and everyone's taken off and we're just like do you know what I mean it's <laughs> yeah. surreal like, yeah all but, in the night's work <laughs> yeah and then the next day we're doing like Temescal which is this like Native American sweat lodge kind of ritual thing wow. with shamans and yeah. you know what I mean and then yeah. you're in this mad ghetto scenario it's just yeah that's, that's it was and yang it was like out. a movie you know but it, we loved it yeah I loved that I loved the tour and and the sound system culture thing is really interesting because there's little pockets all Everywhere, over yeah so like you know 34 countries at this stage have been you know they fly out give you this experience and and 90 99 percent of the time 
the promoters are sound yeah. you know they're really up you know they want to give you a kind of culturally experience yes. so, so, so do you, you know, find like as 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 far flung and as as mad as some of the places are when you find the reggae crew it's like yeah. oh, I'm home actually yeah it's just like being yeah it's <laughs> the yeah yeah because you're you've the same kind of intro and they're you know, talking about guys that they've met or that guys that from from your crew that <laughs> yeah. have come through and, and yeah like, okay, yeah this isn't as far away as I as I feel like it could to- be yeah. totally yeah yeah and it's really nice yeah so I've I've been blessed now the last the last year has been fantastic yeah. and so um, going back to the to the music like what was what was the next one that that kind of that came out uh, I guess you're on a, a, a your solo tip at this point and yeah I did a t- I did a tour with my dad's band did Anne, and they they launched wow. a new album and I'd a uh, we did a track feature on a track with Eleanor Shanley, and we did some folk festivals. So that wow. was really cool. Got to hang out with these old. How like, are those? Like it's I, I can I, I can't think how different it might be from from you know either a reggae tent at a massive yeah. festival or just at a sort of dub. Ba- bold. They're <laughs> yeah, <I'd say. laughs> I mean these guys are like you know late sixties, early seventies, but still still characters yeah. just a rare breed of characters. We did the um, Skagen Festival in in Denmark. And uh, the Dubliners oh, were there. Yeah. Barney That's Mc- that big, like leak, week long sort of uh, yeah folk festival yeah, right, thing. Yeah, and right. uh, you saw that Barney McKenna was there, John Sheehan, and my dad would have known them all from back in the day. So they're all you know were you Jesus, know, they, you know gosh, all yeah. hugs and stories, yeah. and they were all in that kind of twilight era where they were you know. And do you the, just the sit the back chapter. and have a point and listen at those ones? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, oh, just... they're those special people, you yeah. know. Like, I mean, I Barney McKenna and. And Eamon and they left a really big impression on me. Those guys, sure, just yeah. beautiful characters, yeah. real salt of the earth, like this for every. So, so it was like, <clears throat> so I got to dabble into that just for a little bit, and then. Um, oh, did you? W- w- was your mind set like on the path that you wanted to oh, go? Yeah, this is just a little fun sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think Dad just wanted and, yeah. to kind of connect with me that way, you know. But you yeah. had no thoughts of like, yeah, I'll put out another an album of. Or no, yeah, no, okay, I'd yeah. not not at that stage. Now we did put out an album just a few months ago, just before my dad sure, passed. Yeah. We we just finished that album, and um, so that was we wanted to do that for years, you know. And my mum was kind of special, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was so we did all this kind of trad tunes that kind of meant a lot. So that's yeah. you know, and that's that's doing the rounds now. That's out. Yeah, yeah. We did, we the man wanted out for Christmas, so um, we did a mi- we mixed it with Liam King. We recorded in Blackhead Studios in Galway, okay. so we we mixed it ourselves which was um, to get out for Christmas but the original plan was to see could we get Patrick Dillisk in New York who did the gloaming okay. the gl- mixed the gloaming album I just think that sounds fantastic yeah. for traditional stuff that was my you know I just thought wow if we could get we that guy on board standard. so he's halfway through mixing at the moment so we're going to put oh, wow. that out like it's still you know we got 200 CDs that kind of they're gone so we said before we'd press again and put it on Spotify and all that get the main get it, man you know, it. get the definitive version kind oh, of mix cool, mix to the, to the highest standard because yeah. you, you, sometimes you find yourself in a rush against oh we have a deadline but totally. I mean if you want something forever and that's going to you know that you're going to want to yeah. stand by fully and this is such an important uh, yes yeah yeah I guess that's a, that's a good uh, decision to get someone to yeah. To put a good seal of it. So, so um, what, just go, keep staying on the family though. How did your How did your folks take to to the style and the Oh no, the no, offbeat no, sort no, of. Oh no, uh, no, no, not that they're into the reggae they, at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like how did how did how did it not like, impressed, but when I started they have getting to be the, very proud and like you know once I got those gigs abroad like yeah you know, when you got like oh, I'm going to Japan right. suddenly you could see the 
Oh, the okay. dad kind of going, okay, all right, you know That's what my I mean? boy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd say there was a lot, I think, you know, I'd say subconsciously I was, you know, once once dad passed, I kind of, you know, reevaluated my whole kind of musical journey. And I think a lot of it was like, I'd say there was a part of me that wanted to show him that sure, I could yeah. do, you know, do yeah. something similar. Or, yeah. You know, you kind of want your dad to be proud of you. Yeah. So I think I was really kind of part of that might have been a big uh, drive for me as well. You know, I so. mean, because you're kind of like living the life of 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 you know what you grew up in. And, exactly. And yeah. Because so he'd be heading off. He was like, oh, I'm off to New York, and he'd come back. I remember, like in primary school, he got me these kind of Run DMC kind of. Oh, the jacket. Yeah, this kind of like <laughs> the bombers, the old bombers. <laughs> You know, this kind of, so cool. you know, a leather kind of baseball having this real 80s kind of New York stuff. And I was like going into school and Galway, but then people were like, what <laughs> what's that? <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I remember like loving hip hop, as, as you know, in school and people were just, you think you're black, do you? What are you yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It was hard back then. I, yeah, hip hop, there was. It was like, was very. Know, it was kind of like, you. what's wrong with you for like, yeah. it, it wasn't like, not definitely when I was real young, but teenage years and stuff, then like people were listening to everyone was listening to Tupac and all that kind of stuff yeah. but I remember being really young listening to it and people were like what? what is that yeah, yeah, and what yeah. the fuck are you listening to that for so. and I, I was thinking that recently I was at the the picnic last year there was like went to some stage and they were playing kind of UK you know grimish kind of kind of mm. like the modern UK yeah. um, hip hop stuff you know the 808 kicks you know really, yeah. and Every all this new generation, like it's you just know, what early twenties, every music. word they knew the thing. Yeah. I was like, this is what we were listening yeah. to. I was like, it's great that it's there's an appetite for it now, you know. Because totally, I love that music, yeah. you know. It's totally uh, what's what's now. now. Yeah, you know, like yeah. If you're it's, 17, 18, 19 and there's really good hip hop coming out, new stuff now. So it's really yeah. excited and that there is. You know? Speaking of of picking, I remember this one. I just went. I remember going, Jesus, like Kane's well loved here. <laughs> there was a gear electric picnic promo. And they were going around. It was one of these famous presenters or semi-famous presenters was going around the campsites and stuff. Going, oh, who'd you see last night? Do you know this <laughs> yeah, story? The R- the R- this yeah, the yeah, yeah. This young the, fella going. The show uh, suit. Just got, uh, he, you could tell he'd had a tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Passed out. They missed Keen Fit. Fuck, I'm good. And yeah, I he was like, went, I saw the body and soul gig. Brilliant, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally bigging you up. I was like, this is just like a random guy they picked out of <laughs> yeah. 100,000 people here and he's yeah. so pissed off he missed you. And I was like, Kane's really made an impression here. This is, And he was only a young fella. Yeah, I was class to see that. Yeah, yeah it was great. I, I remember going, that's hilarious. He, yeah. was, he was raging he missed you. <laughs> Blacked out or something yeah. and ended up. But, uh, but th- this kind of brings me to something else I want to talk about. Given that, like, you play here, there, everywhere. Yeah. Um, people are pissed off they missed you at Lecture Picnic when they're 17 and they're on camera. And, you know, like, it's it's not just, you know, it's beyond selling a couple of records or whatever. Do you think that you get similar, you know, love from media sites, uh, blogs, whatever kind of music media here? Not really. Um, I, think so I think we've had a little talk about this yeah. before, and I always thought we should keep this for a podcast. definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Let's go. Because <laughs> I mean, I, I found over the years once you say reggae to someone, oh, like, and a promote, particularly in the music industry stuff, it's a massive turnoff. You know. So if I, I mean, and I've had that conversations. If you like, it kind of sets a it sets a tone. A lot of people where they're just. I mean, you know, almost be better what, just saying something else. Yeah, because what reggae, the word reggae, what it would mean to me if, if you're some, oh yeah, look, you know, someone said to me, I love reggae music. All that encompasses a lot, a lot. of different styles from mento, ska, calypso, you know, roots reggae, dancehall, modern reggae. I mean, even jungle and and sort of like yeah. garage. And this, but but if you ask what it means to 
Yeah, it's Bob they're thinking UB, yeah, or UB40. <laughs> they just think of a, a one cheesy reggae song that they don't like. Yeah. And that's what it means. So I definitely think there is... Um, Snobbery, is it? Or what is it? It's or, interesting. Or is it just not catered for? Or I mean, because I get a similar thing, like... I've a good friend John Daly who makes uh, Deep House right and um, we went to college with each other in Cork we did a tune um, not too long ago we were going to do some more stuff but before I met John the word house to me was just oh, yeah. elevator lounge kind of music yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know then when I met kind of people who were making stuff he was like oh check this out this is mm. Deep House and he was playing all that original sh- show me the Chicago stuff yes, which was yeah. like soul music yeah. with a four and you know with a four and the floor kick drum it was fantastic so you open your mind yeah. to this other stuff that but you- I guess what I had heard it, I just wasn't I was uneducated to make yeah. that classification so it was like oh when someone said house music to me and I'd kind of gone to a couple of house gigs or at a festival there was a house area I was like you know there was I just didn't resonate with the yeah. music at all but I, I think we're kind of we're kind of at we're in a time of genrefication of music. It's like oh, I love, I'm a techno head. I'm a junk. What tribe Every, are you in? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's. It's but like, it, the point. I, I like, given that you know, thirty six countries, there's bands that like get national play here that haven't done ten probably. You know, and it's yeah. like it's not about it's not always about that because it's it's for I guess radio and blogs in Ireland are for yeah radio yeah. and people here. I just think it's strange that, um, and I'm not like even with someone like the Bionic Rats who's been doing their thing for for, for yeah. years. I remember having a chat. I think it was with Dale before, and I was like, "Do you get much?" Uh, and he's like, "Nah, don't bother. Yeah, don't yeah. even. Don't even." I, there's not an appetite for it, but I guess it was never a. You know, it. I, I suppose if you're in a music industry and you're you're thinking of you know you're thinking about the ticket sales, you're looking at numbers, reggae. It's not it's not the crowd that's going to drink you're, a lot you're of pints. Everywhere, or, like you just come from the beach in in in, in um, yeah in Clontarf on a Sunday at what two o'clock? Like you can, you're not just for the stoner with you know a spiff yeah. and a can, like you know, you you can do family festivals, you can do body and soul, or yeah. you know, so it's like. It's it's frustrating to see like how versatile you can be or well loved outside and in and just still not getting a few inches on a fucking yeah you know it's yeah. it's it's a uh, and I there's a there's a lot I did a tune with um it's my godmother sister she runs a record label in the states and they and she's just done reggae for forever you know yeah. she um so she uh, she asked me to do a tune with them this year with the Pinchers, Junior oh, Pinchers. Yeah, yeah. So we put we did a tune and she put it out in the states. But basically, she, we were just talking about how it works, you know. And, and she's like, "You have to pay." And okay, she's like, right. "You have to pay someone to check up that they are playing the song as well." So you pay the stations to play the music, <laughs> and then someone to check on the stations. Yeah, so, so like a ladder of payments. So it's really rare for something if a DJ is going to pick it up. I mean, you've got like Marianne Hobbs, you know, the BBC Six thing where yeah. she's going to, you know, that's the John Peel kind of side where they're you've got someone you've got a a radio presenter that's kind of outside of the box but has a big following so they can introduce stuff and yes yeah but most radios I mean they're they're living off the what the record labels are yeah. you know that's their the kickback so there's it's, I, it's a little I, bit I can kind of like understand that. radio here because it's let's be honest it's pretty terrible it's terrible all I listen to is the, is the talk shows because yeah. the music's just yeah tire. and then so but there's tons of there's tons of critics and blogs even if they're saying they don't like it at least give it 
And not, not just talking about you, I'm just talking yeah. about the sort of stuff that we do and or we do. Or, Give it, you know, let the public hear it and then see what... Share it maybe. Exactly, like, see, yeah. Because it's, it's our history and it's our culture. Irish music needs to be... It needs to be played. Uh, you know, everyone's... If, you know yourself for the festival thing, like in our early years with the band... It's just like, oh, we can give you a couple of tickets to play, yeah, you know, yeah, and it's like, you know, I, when you're young, you have to do it. To yeah. be, you need to get out there. And but th there should be some legislation that says you need to actually pay a minimum wage to, to bands. And because a, a lot, I think a lot of booking agents in Ireland just kind of go, well, these guys want, you know, 500 quid or a grand to a gig. And I there's this another band. They're not as good, but they'll do it for a few tickets. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, so I think the, the quality comes down. Yeah. yeah. And I think if if there was a minimum that they a festival had to be, because the festival needs music, events, yeah. you know, if there was a minimum, then they might be a bit more like, okay, well, what's actually, what's, what's good, what's yeah. a quality, you know, let's look for quality rather than who's going to do it's it for the cheapest. It's an interesting theory, actually. You know. I've never really thought about it like that, where it's like, no, we, you have to spend at least this. Yeah. So you might as well get good stuff for what you're... Your, yeah, your baseline exactly. Spend. Yeah, because a lot of time they'd, you know, they'd book in someone from abroad. That's the whole budget, all the local crew. And I, and I've been on the other side of that where I've you know do gigs abroad and you know you're getting the fee and then the local guys are getting yeah yeah the tickets. So yeah, I same, it, yeah. like I understand it, but it's, it's give I and take scenario. Yeah, sometimes. I think there should it should be led there should be legislation where it's like look, you know if you're if you're playing music in a cafe you have to pay Imro. If you're yeah. putting local bands on it, your Irish bands on at Irish festival you have to pay them a minimum you know people Cafe have to get should all some. have that emerald sticker on the yeah you know I don't think they do now I don't think yeah. any of them do and now now more so than ever it's like the Spotify thing which I wanted to ask you about what what coming from you know selling vinyl and pressing vinyl and I know your your yeah. your album you did uh, was yeah, vinyl self release yeah what's the spot what's the take on Spotify at this brilliant point? yeah I think it's brilliant just because in the you know the media it kind of went from like the Napster yeah. you can download music for free CDs you know sure, yeah. you know the CD sales kind of dropped out but then it was like how do people need access to music you know and I think Spotify is, is so you're perfect. more like less precious about pay I need, you know, I need money for the art versus yeah. just lets everyone hear this I need you to hear exactly I think YouTube Spotify you want these. the more people to hear you want your people to hear them yeah. I remember Jim from Wiggle saying that to me he was like you know, when we were super young, the band is like it was. We're talking about MySpace, and he was like, "It's just all about getting as many people to hear your music as possible." That's you know, if you're a painter and you make, you know, yeah, you, sure, or, yeah. You, know, you or you make a movie, you want people, you want as many people to see that as possible because, yeah. you know, for rather than being the stubborn sort of tying onto it and no, 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 you yeah. don't get this unless I get that. Exactly, just get it out there, and and you know, the the sales have gone down in music, but the 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 gigs are galore, you know. So, so, if you're, so are you of that set? Like, I'll give you the all the music you guys want, but I'm yeah. going to be touring twelve months of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, that would be it. You would release, and then you get gigs from that, and yeah. it works. Now we were we, we did a gig in Nairobi a couple of years ago, and a EDM guy called Chris Lake was on the tour with us. Right. So we're all traveling around the van, and yeah, really nice guy. The promoter said, "How we're self radical girl in the back of the van." He's like, "Oh, he's like, do you make a lot from digital sales?" And we were like, "No, man, it's terrible." He's like, "You know, fuck all from the sales, but you know, a bit from the vinyl." And 
blah 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 and we were talking about it and your man Chris Lake turns around and he's like I just sold half a million digital downloads on my last track and we were like <laughs> he says <laughs> oh there are times when you might think and I've had this too am I doing the wrong stuff am I in the wrong but a, certain, a few genres of kind of you know like a modern hip hop as well you, you know, can do like the Diplo thing and sell and probably do oh yeah yeah I mean? Kendrick Chris Lamar selling Major Lazer yeah. selling EDM the Dead Mouse stuff because there's a culture for that for people iPhone, iTunes, the kids like you like a tune and you buy it the thing. But how much did he sell again? Half a million, Fucking he said, hell. of the digital um, of his last single. Of his last single. I think how easy it is. For, like I'm not downgrading it, but the the, the fast and the speedness, the speedy uh, yeah. process of making one of those. Yeah, it's like I do one of those every week. I yeah, fifty fifty yeah. G's a week. Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, that's that's not even. So we're thinking about. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was interesting to see the two sides. Like it was, we were like, no, the mu- it's out of the music, and your man just turns around. Like reggae us. versus EDM, <laughs> right there in the back of a bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, going back to music, then the I know the um, the next couple of tracks that you did were were big ones, and yeah. Um, what well, so I did the Prince Fadi album. That was my first. The, yeah, the, the debut first, album. Yeah. So that was class. That was. How did you link up with, with him? Playing at a Stroda festival, it's a reggae festival in Poland with Radical Guru, and um, Prince Fadi was on after us with Horseman and Holly Cook. Yeah, I've seen that show. That was a yeah, show. and I was like, and I was, Adrian Sherwood was on the side of the stage, and we were having a chat, and I was watching the guy. I'd never, I hadn't heard him, I hadn't seen him play before, and then I was like. He had a light, he's incredible live dub, multi-track dub yeah. kind of setup, and I was like, man, turn to Adrian Sherwood. He's got like, he must, he got the, how did he get the old studio on tapes? It was like a relic of an old seventies Jamaican well, okay. uh, tune, but he had it all: the drums, the bass, the keys, the sec- brass so section, everything separate. Doug doing this incredible live dub yeah. thing, Holly Cook singing, Horseman singing, and he was like, no man, he was, that's his, he's mastered that. Jamaican 1970s sound just to make it sound like yeah which was all this Don Carlos stuff I'd been li- all the stuff that I was that 70s Jamaican Golden music stuff, that yeah. I, for a 12 year old that just captured my imagination it was like this dude's making it now mm. so after the gig I said dude I said you know the band had just split like a month before that I said you know I want to I want to do a solo album loads of lyrics you know what I mean can we do a record you know and he was just like no I'm too busy he was doing Boy George album he was doing Jesus. Holly Cook's next so is he one. like a producer producer in terms oh, of beyond reggae he yeah he did the Fireside he used to do the Fireside oh, he used to work for Capitol Records in the States wow in LA so he's incredible I didn't know that he master even though I'm a fan of what he does yeah I yeah in our sort of realms where, where Mike, I buy his music Mike Pelicone, yeah yeah he's wow. unbelievable so basically he was like I'm too busy and I just was like oh look you know just kept just kept at him and then he invited me down to the studio in Brighton and it was like two years doing it but brilliant Dan Talleras from Dub Investigation yeah. came over filmed filmed a lot of the sessions yeah. made some, did Life is a Precious Thing video the Live Life video legend brilliant. great producer and lovely guy so that was your first album like was there times where you're like Jesus I've come a long way since the uh... yeah that was that, that Max you know Max Romeo ended up featuring on the title yeah. track this applies um, the musicians, all this, you know, the all these Jamaican musicians would be living in Brixton, and yeah, uh, you know. So it was mostly done over in England. It was all, it oh, was okay. all done there. Yeah. Like I mean, the songs were written in Ireland. But then you went over to get them. Yeah, even Katrina on the harp, we 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 brought her down. Brilliant. She came down. So how long did it take to? to from it start? took two years to f- to finish the whole thing because I didn't. I was funding it myself. I did yeah. a funded campaign. So basically, every 
every time I got paid for a gig, you just throw it into yeah. the, the album. Like it was expensive for me, I, I was broke. Um, and I was just like, you know, that studio, I mean, there was, you know, you're up against massive labels. Like he was getting calls all the time. Oh yeah, Sony, Universal, call him to book projects and stuff. So, you know, he was getting like, you know, big money for records. So wow. he was, because we kind of connected and had a friendship, you know, he was, you know. You're in the right spot though. You're yeah, like, yeah. I should and be here. Yeah, <laughs> so it got a lot of, uh, called in a lot of favours and and made the album happen. That's that how it goes though. You yeah, go, yeah, you just you know, got to. You throw everything, money, at every, you, you don't even have it, but like you, you have to go, hey, remember that time I, yeah, yeah. trying to and come over to the dish? Yeah, and, that, and once once it's done, that's there forever. You yeah. Know? So I'm really, that, I'm really proud yeah, of that. Yeah, it's the album. You gave it to me in, um, in London and like even the artwork and everything else. Yeah, you, yeah. You didn't really cut any, you didn't leave any stone unturned with the yeah. presentation and, and the the finish. Who did he master it, or was it someone else? So he gets all his stuff mastered. Well, he did at that time with uh, Carvery, uh, the Carvery in in London, and they have a like a Neumann, Neumann lathe, you know, okay, the, the one right. that the Motown guys used to use. So he was like, everything has to be done with them. They have to master. So oh, so so, he, was, so that was like a every, yeah, oh, it was okay. a lot more expensive than. What than the other stuff I'd have been doing that was going through, but he was like, you're, "That's you're the in good process." Hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it and yes, yeah, so I was really happy with that. And we did the dub album. Um, Gaudi did a couple of dubs and a remix album with all my kind of you know Zion Train, yeah. Chopstick Dub Plays, Vibronics, all, all the guys. Yeah, all the guys from that sound system scene. So it was brilliant too. And do you have a track from that we could uh, insert right here? Yeah. Um, what would be the maybe the Max Romeo the Chopstick dub plate remix the jungle one That's I think it. I've seen a video of you playing this recently like wow well, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Connolly's yeah. Aleppo yeah, yeah that yeah, could yeah. have been it yeah. West Cork okay so do you want to uh, quickly uh, um, yes. intro this one and we'll, uh, we'll put it on yes this is um, this is the remix of This Applies featuring Max Romeo from my debut album Chopstick dub plate remix it doesn't matter if right. you're white. It doesn't matter who you are, who are, who are. No matter who you are, no matter who you are, we're in this world now. Who are where you are? This applies no matter who you are. No 
album was a lot of gigging a lot of touring did you um, see a lot coming straight from from the, the, yeah the hard work you just definitely definitely yeah because yeah. i was i was working with the radical guru a lot uh different sound systems you know beyond the mic different sound systems and then with alpha and omega and with dub dynasty we did nine years blessings it's a lot of tunes yeah. with those guys so that was a different you know they're like I'm a huge Alpha and Omega fan as well, so travel. You're with different crews that can take you here, there. Yeah, you know. but still, you. I was kind of, you know, on Treading the back. Your own thing. Yeah. yeah. So once the solo album came out, it was like, all right, started getting booked for solo shows um, internationally for the first time, and then it was like, okay, so I got everything in stems from Prince Fatty, so I could do a live multi-track oh, yeah. dub, and that was what when I was in the studio with him, seeing how he worked, learned a lot from that process, and really sure, wanted yeah. to be able to create a setup where I could do live solo shows. But then as it progressed, then get different musicians in, get brass sections in and Let me ask things. you this, when he was doing when he's working his magic and you're there, is he is he just in his own or is he kinda of going, This is I'm doing this here and I'm doing that there? Or can you stop him and say, What what or do you kinda of just go, Jesus, let him be Oh I let him yeah, yeah. Let him, it was it was a real education to just you know, watch how he worked and how he handled musicians was incredible. Like he'd he could really get the best out of musicians right, so. and there was just an atmosphere. So he managed how they played, how they... Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I learned a lot about the producer role from that. Yes, it was like, yeah. you know, he doesn't write music or play music, but he makes masterpieces from, yeah. you know, his mastery of the equipment, the, you know, his, his knowledge and how to get the best out of musicians, you know, so... Would he ever tell you how to maybe re-deliver a line or... Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah totally, yeah, And yeah. that would help you again then for future to... Definitely, yeah, yeah. I learned, steady, isn't it? learned a lot from, from Mike, yeah, legend, legend. We're hopefully going to do some more stuff together at the end of the sure. summer, more high energy kind of... Yeah. More kind of modern so, take. So, so, so you're out and about after this... Um, yeah. Do you do you take it like a box of records everywhere you go to try and like? Yeah, yeah. So you're merged up now. Because see, I <laughs> I I'd wanted to. There was there was offers to release the album uh, with different labels, but I wanted to do it myself because I I felt it was like I wanted to learn about the industry how that was done, but also. Uh, you know when you sign to a label it's yeah. the split's usually like a 50-50 split with the label um, and I just felt that I'd invested so much, too much in it, yeah. so much cash so much time um, I wasn't prepared to hand it over unless it was going to be something like Island Records or a, a label major. that really had a reach that was yeah. beyond what I could ever get in your boot underground labels I thought look I said you know I said I'll give this a shot and and uh, how do you find this, the the hustle of of I'd doing never, that kind of stuff? I never do it again. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> just because it was like, I mean, I'm really glad I did it to learn from yeah, it, sure, but it, yeah. it was just too too much of an undertaking. Yeah, I mean, I I just I, I like it. People specialize for a reason. You need someone promoting, booking. I I kind of did the self managing thing, doing everything, and then are I you booking your own gigs now? Yeah, but I only just. I don't I don't approach people for gigs. I just take yeah, you know have a we- set up a website, Facebook. Okay. So I get emails and I so I just I was getting enough gigs to just you know to be self sufficient yeah. from it. But anytime I did contact someone for a gig, if you're interested, you, you never get a. It's just you know they're just 
cut you down so much because they're dealing directly with you. If someone contacts you, you can yeah. come to a, a reasonable, sure. you know, yeah. you're both happy with. But yeah, so I'd, I'm at a stage now where I'd like to work with, you know, some... Some help on the... I, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad I did it, but it was like the time and, you know, getting test presses, a crack, There's so much bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah. So it was great on. to learn learn how it worked, but... But then even when you have it, it's like, okay, what's the best way to actually exactly. deliver this? Like, yeah, there's, all a million, the, there's a million options and I got all the changes all the time. Yeah, and all know? the all the distributors had a list of all the guys who, you know, take the, the record stuff, but everyone want like people wanted to pay, I think... Uh, six or seven euros for for the vinyl, like the wholesalers, the wholesale, yeah. and that's what it, co- it cost me to yeah. to make the stuff because it was it was a, yeah just to just to press them. Never yeah. mind the never mind making it. Never mind making it, it, but yeah. it was you know they had to be pressed to you know. So they're giving they're offering. It was going to cost me to send it rent, to yeah. people, yeah, because yeah. then that you'd have to post it yeah. to different places. So I said, you know what, I'll just sell it at gigs, and I think I yeah we're kind of got Last through few. got through five hundred of them. And got oh, another five hundred now. So it's even selling albums on vinyl, is, it's tougher than yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A single. And it's, it was nice at the gig, you know, if you can at the gig, yeah. you know, you sign sure. a record and stuff. It's a nice yeah. kind of vibe to that. And um, your your touring and 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 gigging is sort of never ending. So it's like yeah, yeah. Know, your your country hopping, your uh, continent hopping, your yes. festival hopping. Yeah, and I think that slowed me a little bit with the, the with the release. Music. Yeah, because I have I believe. Tr- Believe it or not, I have three albums written, ready to rock, but they're just at that final mixing stage. Right. Um, so there's the, like the next one I'm bringing out is called Five Planets, and that's more, it's got a dance hall, hip hop, trap kind of feel to mm. it. So I really want that to come out this summer. I've seen uh, one of the sh- videos you posted was like uh, 93 till infinity. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's one so of the tracks it seems like when we were young. You're touching your teenage uh, exactly. soul again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So is this that, that's forthcoming on something, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to put that out as soon as possible, really. It's all Daddy. written. I'm really happy with it. Yeah. Um, and then then there's an acoustic album that I that I, that I want to do as well. And then there's kind of a trip-hop, kind of more James Blakey kind of thing yeah. that, I've been, that I've been working on. Because I'm a producer as well, so I've done worked in Ableton for just, about eight years. I've just thought of something. Is the new kind of ventures not new, and that's not like you just picked them up, but is that end to do with the fact that you've got less of a mane of hair at the moment? Have, <laughs> was, there, was there a conscious decision to go, you know, or was it just like I've had loads of hair, I'm getting rid of it now? Yeah, no, the dreads. The reason for for me cutting the dreads was because it's a big thing in someone's life, isn't it? When they yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought about it for three years, but it was just I I I just needed I needed a new start, you know. Yeah. I mean, it just got to a point where it was like. I I kind of felt it for three years, but then I wasn't. It's a lot, yeah. Uh, you know, and then it just when I came back from it, I was going to do it in India before I came back, and then, um, and then I waited till I came home, and then just put the trad album out with my dad, and just took them off one by one. Little, yeah, got one of those little kind of Stanley blades. Oh, and just, seriously, you did? Just took what I, let the album play start to finish. Lit, wow. Lit a fire, took them off, and just had this kind of nostalgic ceremony. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Wow. I was class, and you know, and when it was done, it was like. I was beautiful like I've really Felt I just needed to you know it was like 15 years with the dreads and it, it it was definitely something I, I needed to do to just Jeez, to just amazing. let go and start a new I chapter I had no idea you know? that's, that's yeah yeah <laughs> it's quite a unique way to do it yeah and it's great without the dreads now it's like you've got particularly in Ireland like you you become 
an observer you were an observe you were observed and now you become the observer like, yeah you know you feel like walking to a supermarket now and it's like you just genuinely f- yeah 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 so uh, it's really interesting it's, it's, I, there's a real freedom to it after 15 years of i've known and hung around and have have, have uh, friends with probably more people with dreadlocks long dreadlocks than the average irish person <laughs> yeah. i notice it like we go anywhere people just do the double take it's the, the double take you know? yeah 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 it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's just yeah. hair, lads. It's grand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, but they, it's, but maybe I was. I'll, I'll I had this chat with someone else. He goes like, I don't want to lose them because it's part of my stage um, presence and this okay. and that. So for him, it was more than just uh, for unna- unnamed dread. It was yes, more than yeah, just yeah. Uh, just uh, just hair. It was like it was. I don't want to say prop, but like he didn't feel like he could cut him because of what he did. And yeah, yeah, weird one. But he was very much in that. Um, this is all. This is the only sort of lane I have. And yeah, and I mean, then there's the religious side of it as well. Like a lot of people, yeah. would, like dreads are associated with Rastafarianism. So yeah. it's like, you know, I'd worked with in the Rasta community, I guess, for the last kind of ten years. So, and you know, I wouldn't have any spirit. You know, I wouldn't, you know, would have been raised, you know, yes. Catholic Ireland kind of thing. But I would have never resonated with yeah. Christianity or any any religion. You know, I yeah. definitely feel a spiritual. Uh, I like so I remember someone asked me recently, "Are you a man of faith?" And I said, "Yes," but not not as you know, not a not a not a tribe of faith. You know, it's yeah. like I would never cons- I wouldn't. I find that a little bit kind of divisive. The sure, different yeah. the different types and things. So with with the Rastafarianism thing, it was interesting as well. And I, I was talking to a Rasta guy I know in Malta, and he was just like cut the dreads you know what I mean we had a big kind of chat about it and he was like oh yeah he was like he's like and he told me when he did it he had to cut his dreads before and you know it's the right time and all this and yeah so but for me as you know someone who wasn't a Rastafarian or you know the dread the dreads for me were something that like when I was that early stage when I was in Barcelona Amsterdam you're meeting these like sure, South yeah. American crew with these massive dreads and there was just this yeah I just love dreads yeah. you know so yeah my f- yeah, I, and I lo- I loved having the dreads. You know what I mean. I don't miss them. It's, it was the right time when I when I took it's a them off. Part of your life, but was. it's a huge part of my life. Yeah. And I yeah, my dreads. I love my dreads. You know what I mean. But yeah, the t- you know life you're has free, changed. You're freed up with the chapter. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. the ch- new chapter. But um, so what's next? What's what's the new chapters? What's what's so um so I did a tune with this, this group Lamb from the UK group Lamb. Yeah. Um, and we did that in India last year. So um, I think I've seen a video for that. Uh, yeah, like an official did, music video. Yeah, it was really yeah, interesting. We, it was video. class. Yeah, we see, did the video and see that's another part of your other sort of. Other well, it was it was class because I ended up at a house party with the guys and just playing tunes with Lou the singer, and we just got on really well, jammed, and then they asked me, "Did you want to try something?" And the tune came out, and then we did it. We did it in BBC Six there. Wow. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, launched it in London and Bristol. It was class. You know, it was fantastic to see how they tour like you know their mm. whole setup and it was really inspiring to kind of see that that kind of next level I mean they're doing it over 20 years and they've re- masters really of what they're doing yeah. so it was so it was really interesting to see that and it was really good promotion for me as someone coming from an underground scene and you know that's that's just a different audience for you and a different yeah so yeah. so it was cool I'm really like before this the new, like when the before the new album's coming out it's really great for me to have that kind of that push into yeah. that kind of scene so um, so from here it's like uh, there's the Five Planets is the new album I'm thinking I'm going to bring it on two parts like part one and two five tracks in each Okay. Um, then there's 
hopefully release the acoustic album at the end of the summer, which is called Letting Go. And then and then I have the self-produced um, uh, James Blakey trip hop kind of stuff, which I've been, which is a really old project that I've kind of been since Slowly producing. Slowly on the back. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, and I'm still collaborating with different producers and things like that. So, so never a, a dull moment. Yeah. No yeah. stopping. No stopping. I've just got my grips around uh, mixing at the moment. So okay, yeah. Kind of got up. I put a, a, a producing this uh, EP with Lavosti. Oh yeah, he's Kenyan yeah, yeah. singer. So yeah, so that'll be my. F he's coming over for picnic. for the picnic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're gonna put that out um, in the near future as well. And yeah, we we we. I was over at Kenya for New Year's and we performed the tunes live there. Like and how'd it go? Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's killer. Yeah, he's an incredible yeah. vocalist. So that's a good link. That's a, it's yeah. Because he comes here, you go there. Yeah. So I think producing. I'd like to produce for other people. I've I've got about going out to India for the India the last few years. Done a lot of recorded takes with different singers out there. Do you have a place there set up like a a go to? <laughs> Kind of, I've been in the same place the last three years, but yeah, you always kind of change. It's, it's a creative you know, space as well. It's or? fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get a Royal Enfield, nineteen seventies motorbike, cruising around to, to the gigs, beach. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, incredible, incredible. Spot. So you're skipping so, the the cold here to do that. Skip the cold, but then that's kind of my creative time as well out there. I try to record a lot, and just get the next project. Getting a good place out there, out there right? For, for yeah. For, for, yeah, and then the bazooki is. I'm trying to bring up my bazooki thing, and uh, I'd like to be able to sit in on trad sessions and and play play those tunes from that album, yeah. Dad. You know, so Deadly. so yeah. Well, I've no doubt he's massively proud and and, and yeah. going to keep the fire burning. So it's been a pleasure chatting, man. Nice one, Baz. Great to see you, man. Than, Thanks for having us. Rather than in the back of a, a dingy <laughs> pub somewhere. <Yeah. laughs> but, oh, actually, anywhere, anywhere coming up this summer, people should go and check you. Um, body and soul. I'm doing our. Arbutus Arbutus what's the stage called Arbutus Liarna Miles it's Miles O'Reilly does the okay, with so Donald Deneen does that Ain't No Discos great, oh, yeah. great show that they do so he asked me to, to do the Sunday night I think from midnight to two so I'll be finishing off Body and So on the Sunday wow. I think Trenchtown the same I think I'm doing the Sunday I think two to four finishing Deadly. off there on Sunday Um all together now, I think I'm playing there. Wow. Um, so you're getting and, into and like Northern Ireland. I'm doing Port Rush. I'm doing a gig there. Just the over only Derry. place I know is from years ago was a place called Kelly's, which is probably gone now. It was a big old uh, pill factory back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, haven't been, yeah, I don't know where a, a reggae club or just a, like a. I'm not sure. I just a uh, guy sent me a you know the gigs are kind of funny. I will get them. I get an email and you kind Facebook of just negotiate email. some kind of something, and then if it works, <clears> then you're. Yeah, the poster goes out, Off and suddenly you you're up <laughs> on the road. Um, one more track then for the for the send off. What will that be? Um, would it be a nice track to send off? Could be something. Maybe live life with the harp. Sure, could be nice. You know, yeah. so kind of a mix from. So yeah, Katrina's like uh, her mother and my father would have played music for decades together. So I would have known Katrina since we were kids, and her mum's on the the trad album I did with Deadly. dad, and. Um, yeah, so that's called Alec and Key and Finn. That's like that's the the name of that album. And Katrina's mum was on that, so we did all the. She used to be with Inton, and then wow. she came in on the Prince Fadi album. And I hope to do more work with her in the so future. The full circle, tour, so sort yeah. of. So this yeah. is live life. She's written the the harp music's original, oh. and then the lyrics original. So we combined two pieces, and it just fit really nicely. So. Deadly. Such a live life. Okay, bro. Well, it's been a pleasure again. Let's uh, let's meet in a festival. Big time. Field. Somewhere soon. Yes, nice and right. bro. <laughs>
Live life and love, love life and live Share amongst the people and live positive Our actions in this world make our lives what it is So be good to your friends, family and Live life and love, love life and live Share amongst the people and live positive Our actions in this world make our lives what it is So be good to your friends, family and Good people you never had the chance to know Circumstances could gone the other way so Show love for those who end up on the streets The system that we live in is cruel and badly treats The disadvantage, unfortunate and the weak No love for the meek Good ways and guidance to the youth we must teach Hearts of the angered and hurt we must reach Conscious words we must speak Live life and love, love life and live Share amongst the people and live positive Our actions in this world make our lives what it is So be good to your friends, family and Live life and love, love life and live Share amongst the people and live positive Live positive, live positive Live and live and live fight them what we must do is show them love that truly righteous will rise above violence and hate the cycles of war we have to break foreign cultures to our own we must try to relate cause we've got to live together love together rise together forever Ayah.